0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths.
1: Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. You can't appreciate the highs without experiencing the lows, and the Colts hit a low point in Jacksonville on Sunday with an embarrassing 24 to nothing loss. I'm Joe Hopkins, joined by Mike Chappell. Today we're going to quickly recap the game, discuss takeaways, ask ourselves is it too early to panic? And we'll wrap up the show by checking in on the rest of the AFC South. Before we get started here, Mike, how are you handling the loss?
0: Pretty good. Like I told, we said before the air, I do this long enough, and you tend to get over these losses quicker than normal. It's you just have to put it behind you, but because you spend so much time wondering what the heck happened, and through two games, it's like it's well, if you if you fix this, you'll be okay. If you fix that, you'll be okay. It's like whack a mole at Chunky Cheese. It's just something. It's something else every time. And you know th- this is why these guys get paid to make money. They got to fix it, and they got to do it quickly. It's it's a long season, but it's only 17 games. So you know you you can't just piddle away games like they're doing against so-called inferior opposition. Maybe this isn't inferior opposition. Maybe you're the inferior opposition. So they've got to get it fixed.
1: Yeah, maybe this uh, team was one that many overrated going into the season. We'll discuss that a little later in the show when we get to takeaways. For now, let's just jump right into the recap here. Colts without star linebacker Shaq Leonard, as well as wide receivers Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce for this game. Pittman Jr. appears to have injured his quad during practice leading up to the game. Um, and, And the Colts would struggle. But not on the first play, they were actually able to move the drive, uh, move the ball on their first drive, very first play of the game, 19-yard pass to Naheem Hines over the middle. But after a first and ten on Jacksonville's 40-yard line, the Colts had failed to gain another yard. Third down, Matt Ryan throws a fluttering interception off his back foot, uh, intended for Ashton Doolin, but really just a terrible throw, a terrible decision. And the Jacksonville Jaguars take over the with the ball at their 32. They would go on a 15-play drive that took over nine minutes off the clock. They converted on third and eight, fourth and three, third and one, and then on a third and four, they scored a touchdown with a, a little pass to Christian Kirk from 10 yards out right in front of Kenny Moore, who had a tough day in this one. Seven to nothing, Jaguars strike first. The Colts get the ball back, ready to respond. Whether they do, they go three and out. Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan is sacked by Josh Allen on second down. Got right around Matt Pryor. Ryan fumbled the ball. Is actually recovered by Naheem Hines after bouncing around quite a bit. Jacksonville with their second drive now. Third and ten after the Colts stuff, um, stuffed the run on first and second down. Lawrence goes deep to Marvin Jones. Julian Blackman actually streaks across the field and makes a play on the ball. Gets both hands on it but can't come down with the interception. Still, Jaguars go three and out. And the Colts have a chance to tie things up early in the second quarter. Doolin gets three yards on first down. Jonathan Taylor stuffed for no gain on second. And on third and seven, Allen gets to Matt Ryan again for a sack. Second time of the game. Uh, He came out a little stunt on this one up the middle, and the Colts just had no answer for it. Colts go three and out yet again. Jacksonville drive starts at their 21, but they wouldn't need 15 plays to score this time. Uh, The Jaguars reach midfield, and holding call backs them up to a first and 20, but no problem for Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence finds Christian Kirk for 26 yards. The very next play, James Robinson... Broke a 37-yard touchdown run, and the Jaguars extend their lead to 14. We're midway through the second quarter now, and the Colts need to wake up. Jonathan Taylor, stuffed for no gain on first down. False start on Matt Pryor, sets up a second and 15. Mo Alleycox gains nine yards on second down. And then on third and six, Ryan's find Patman over the middle for a would-be first down, but Patman drops the ball, hits the ground, and the Colts are going to have to hunt for their third consecutive three and out. Jacksonville driving again, third and eight near midfield. And Trevor Lawrence finds Evan Ingram, who just bullies uh, Stephon Gilmore for the first down. Colts would end up holding Jacksonville to a 52-yard field goal. Indianapolis down 17 to nothing with a little under two minutes left in the half. Colts really need to get something going here, get some points up before halftime and start chipping away at this lead. A first down to Doolin gets the offense to the 42-yard line, but Mike Strong, false start, backs him up five yards. On first and 15, Matt Ryan is sacked again for an eight-yard loss, and the Colts would end up having to punt and go into halftime down 17. Jacksonville gets the ball to start that second half, and they drive into Colts' territory. On third and eight, Stephon Gilmore jumps the route on a pass intended for Ingram, gets both hands on the football, but can't come down for what would have been an impressive interception. Uh, The Colts do force a punt, and they get the ball for the first time in the second half. They pick up first down with Taylor on the ground. Patman picks up seven yards to set up a third and three, but Matt Ryan can't connect with Mo Cox, who is blanketed in coverage. Fifth punt of the day for the Colts. The Jaguars would then go on a back-breaking 12-play, 92-yard, 7-minute and 42-second drive that ended with Christian Kirk's second touchdown of the day on a 4th-and-1 from the 5-yard line. Jacksonville Jaguars now up 24 to nothing into the third quarter and the Colts are trying to pull off a miraculous comeback. They reach Jacksonville's 4-yard line after a pair of 21-yard Jonathan Taylor runs and a terrific 23-yard catch by Mike Strawn on the sideline. First down, Ryan's Mo' Alley Cox in the back of the end zone, but the big man can't drag his second foot to get both feet inbounds, and it's ruled incomplete. On second down, Matt Ryan can't find anyone, and he's sacked again for an 8-yard loss. Third down, Ryan hits Kylan Granson to set up a manageable fourth and goal from the two, but Paris Campbell's called for pass interference. It's now third and goal from the 22-yard line. A short pass, Naheem Hines picks up nine yards, but that would not be enough. Matt Ryan would throw incomplete on fourth down, and another drive ends with disappointment. Indy's offense has another chance to score after the defense forces a three and out. They go 17 yards to Patman, 39 yards to Ashton Doolin, and a three-yard Taylor run would set them up with second and seven from Jacksonville's eight, but the Colts would fail to gain another yard. Three straight incompletions leads to the second straight turnover on downs. There's still over six minutes to go in this one, but both teams were pretty much done. Jacksonville's final three drives ends with a punt, a punt, and a turnover on downs, where the Colts' final three drive Ended with two Matt Ryan desperation interceptions. And uh, they f- finished the final drive of the game with two runs just to kind of kill the clock and finally put an end to this one. Final score 24 to nothing. Mike, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first Colts shutout since their 2018 6 to nothing loss in Jacksonville.
0: They've been shut out three times in the regular season since 2003. It's like 300 and. Some games, all three by Jacksonville. So now, whether it's just a matchup, I don't know. These guys, Jacksonville is clearly in their heads now, and they can say all they want. Trevor Lawrence has had really two legitimate games, two and a half legitimate games as a pro. Two of them have been against Colts in the final game last year, and then this one. And it's it's just really it was just hard to look at the at the damage and the wreckage of this and. Pinpoint something and say this is the problem. It's like it's like whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese. It, it, again, where do you where do you prioritize? I would right now we're sort of looking at the offense because it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess, and it starts with protection. We need to quit calling this line one of the best in the league. It's not, and it hasn't been for two years. It hasn't been. Uh, Matt Pryor. Is not getting it done at left tackle, and it doesn't appear that Bernhard Ryman is ready to step in. And I thought Danny Pinner had a really bad game as well. Uh, Ryan Kelly's not playing well, and and Braden Smith. There were just times he just, he just got beat. And when you've got your quarterback running around or trying to avoid or throwing with people in his face, this this so much about Matt Ryan. We knew his limitations coming in he was you know he's 36 37 years old he's on the downside maybe not quite the arm strength but the idea was okay but he's got a strong offensive line he's got a strong defense he's got a strong running game but when your pass protection is this bad and you can't get the running game going and the receivers are as bad as are as ineffective as we all thought they were it's just kind of focusing everything on on Matt Ryan's deficiencies, and he's not good enough at this point of his career to lift a team with, with so little help. That, that's why they were messing Atlanta his last four years. So how they get out of this, I don't know. Uh, the longer the game went, the harder it was to watch because the things that they should be good at, pass protection with this line and the run game, you can't you just can't run Jonathan Taylor like you want to when you can't sustain drives. So what do you have? Uh, was it five yards on four carries in the first half or whatever it was? Or five attempts and four yards, whatever it was. It it, it doesn't really matter. But that's a, re- that's a result of not sustaining drives and not, like Frank said, after the game, it, it being successful on first and second down. So it they're, they're in a terrible cycle. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs are coming in Sunday.
1: Yeah, yeah. This we talked about coming into the year how the Colts really need to start strong. They had the two games against winnable opponents, winnable division games, and they come out of two weeks with zero wins. Before we fully dive into takeaways here, I saw Julian Blackman left the game with what was called a shoulder injury, but he seemed to be able to return. Was there any other injuries in this one, Mike?
0: Nothing was announced, and one thing we need we're going to ask Frank about it. Later in the day, is Nahim Hines had uh, one carry and five targets, six six times he was the guy, and he played. Uh, I think it was 15 snaps, and you just have to wonder what's going on there. Was he injured? Because he had, I think, it was two catches and three targets on the first drive, and then not very much. Now, whether I I don't know how when you're down Pittman and Pierce. And you're looking for playmakers. How Naheem Hines is so not not you know involved in the offense, and we, you know maybe we'll find out that there was something going on. And because if you if you remember, Kiki Q T uh, handled the last punt, which might simply have been a case of the team not wanting to put Hines out there. But uh, I just think the idea of using Naheem Hines so so limited makes zero sense if he was healthy.
1: Yeah, remember when this team repeatedly told us not to worry because they have Naheem Hines and he can do a lot in the passing game and that was going to be great? Uh, Yeah, that's that's not looking so hot right now. Let's go ahead and get to our takeaways here. The Colts were a complete no-show. The team wasn't ready to play. And really, this is now the fourth time in a row Frank Reich's squad has come out flat. Uh, Even with the Raiders game that ended up being close, they they started off down ten to nothing. They didn't score in the first quarter. They're able to come back in that one. Jacksonville last season that kept them out of the playoffs. And now these first two weeks in 2022 season with Houston and Jacksonville. The last three games, the Colts have entered the fourth quarter down a combined sixty-seven to six. Like they've just been getting smacked. Uh, through the first three quarters of games. They're able to come back in the Houston game, at least, and tie that one. But the performance have been pitiful. Second year in the row, the Colts are winless, heading into week three. After the game, Frank Reich called the performance pathetic. I'll go ahead and just read this quote here from Reich, because we're going to talk about him a lot here in just a second. He said, quote, One of the things I said to the guys in here, and it doesn't make anybody feel any better, but I've been around long enough to know that as pathetic as that was today, where that is and where we need to be, the distance is not that far. It's not that far because we have got the guys, the coaches, and the players to do it. I know that doesn't play in the outside world, but I'm fine with that. We'll take our medicine. I'll take my medicine. We'll just keep doing what we do. We're two games into it. we are one, 0-1-1. It's a long season. Mike, when I see the team, not just, you know, you talk about whack-a-mole, where do you even start when it comes to fixing problems? When I see not just a a certain issue here or or a deficiency there, but an entire team come out flat and looking like they're just playing, not ready to play a football game, uh, not just every once in a while, but several games in a row here now. Uh, you got to look at the head coach and how he's preparing his guys and how he's getting his guys ready to play. I mean, in my mind, Frank Wright is officially, it's not a question of, is he on the hot seat? It's how hot is his seat and is it too early to currently panic?
0: Well, it's probably too early to panic because first of all, the owner who has extreme expectations for the franchise and for this season He's never fired anybody midseason. I, I just don't know how often that works. How, what, how often you get the desired results? Uh, but yeah, I, I hate to use the word heart, but I just haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen. It, again, reading body language is really is really risky, but I just don't see it. I, I don't. Do they miss Shaq Leonard that much? I mean, is he the battery that that kind of drives this team? I hope not. Because then you have something wrong. And you read from stuff out of the locker room after the game to where they're PO'd and this stuff's got to end. It's on players. You know, I I, I just always wonder how much a coach needs to motivate a team. The idea is to prepare them, get them ready to go. I just wonder how much, you know, rockney speeches before a game work. Now, high school, yeah, college Probably. At the pros, I just think you have to have self-starters. I, I just do now. If you're getting your rear end handed to you, going in the in the halftime and turn over some tables and dump the Gatorade, but yeah, but but this is this starts at the top uh, with the with the way Chris Ballard has fashioned this roster and with the way Chris or, uh, Frank Wright and his staff have prepared it, you know take them at their word, and they had two of their best practices of the year this past week. Motivated, intense, and all that. But to play like that is really hard to figure out. And a lot of owners would make a move. I just don't know how that would matter, how that would change things, and that's something Ursa just does not want to do. How bad would it have to get? I don't know. I really don't. Uh, you've got a couple of former head coaches on your roster if you do that, but that would be such a move of desperation and anger from the owner. I don't think we're there. They've got off to, to slow – they were probably in as bad a shape last year. Uh, and then they, they go to Tennessee last, last year and lose with an injured win. So, and they've shown they can come back for this. But it's not so much that they're losing tie. It's how they've looked getting there. And that's something that the owner has to really consider.
1: In your mind, do you point the finger at Reich more than Ballard, Ballard more than Reich? Like, What do you think is responsible for this start out of a team that we had such high expectations for? We talked about the defense on paper looks like the best defense we could remember seeing. Um, We thought the O-line would be at least solid. We weren't expecting in the top five offensive line. But when you got Jonathan Taylor, you expect at least a solid running game. We saw that in week one. Absolutely depressing disappeared in week two we thought the pass rush would be fixed with the additions um of Yannick Ngakwe and and healthy draft picks from a year before not, nothing has really worked out through two weeks are you you know is it the way Chris Ballard has put this team together the way Frank Wright is coaching it do those things just go hand in hand how do you evaluate this roster and this team
0: Well, yeah, they go hand-in-hand because the owner, when he extended them, he tied them at the hip contract-wise. So, yeah, they are. But when you look at it, after two games, and, again, it's two games, and they've come out of this before and put themselves in position, but almost every off-season decision or non-decision has not worked. I mean, almost every one. Uh, Left tackle, you know, it hasn't worked. Right guard, I don't think it's worked so far with Danny Penner. Uh, wide receivers and tight ends. I mean, yes, the Pittman injury exacerbates, but but that, that that was the point. Have quality depth to where if somebody goes down, you're not hamstrung. You know, Paris Campbell has been an, a non-factor, a complete non-factor. And you know, Yannick Ngakwe, who was supposed to be that guy to sort of spearhead the pass rush, uh, hasn't gotten there. He's got one or two pressures, and that's it. Quitty Pay has two sacks, and both of them were in overtime. So, so much that that you that you banked on. And Matt Ryan, I'm not giving him a pass at all. I, I am not. But but thus far, he's not been the answer. I place more of it on the things around him. Uh, so much you know, the first interception at Jacksonville was just. Apparently, it's a miscommunication with Doolin. He expected him to be somewhere else. But, boy, still threw that up. There were two safeties on him. And, and, and so much of the other w- w- was under pressure. And uh, so, but, but, but there, there, there's no, nothing really that did in the offseason has worked. And, you know, there were five or six critical things. Stefan Gilmore, make the interception. You know, and the one for Julian Blackman, that was tough. But guys make that play. I mean, quality players make that play. So, Jonathan Taylor, I'm not putting this on him at all. But when when you've got perhaps the best running back in the league and you can't use him because of everything else, right now it's it's the structure of the team. And because because if if you're going to base your team on the defensive line and the offensive line, well, neither one's getting a job done. So, I, you know, again, there's time to turn this around, but with every passing game and I'm not saying this matters, but the fan base is irate. And, again, a team and an owner can't, at least shouldn't, listen to the fan base too much that because that that's just not going to work. But I don't know how. When they go into the season September 11th, this was their team. This is a team they put together. And you were just hoping on offensive line, defensive line, receivers, tight ends, Almost all of them. Had, kicker. Let's let's not forget the kicker that the first game w- w- was was a missed kick. So virtually everything that they that they put in place during the off season hasn't worked. Now maybe they get it turned around. Maybe they don't. But uh, the owner is going to uh, buy. He he can't be happy. He's got to be royally po'd. How that manifests itself moving forward, I don't know. But this is not even remotely what anyone thought. Uh, when the season started?
1: Absolutely not. No Michael Pittman in this one, and that was a big problem for the Colts. After 517 total yards and 33 first downs in Houston, the offense sputtered in Jacksonville just 218 total yards and nine first downs. Over their 11 possessions, the Colts produced five punts, three interceptions, and two turnovers on downs inside the 20. By the way, the Colts are two of seven in the red zone this season, uh, keeping up with the struggles that kind of haunted them to begin last season, where they couldn't get, they could move the ball into scoring territory, but couldn't actually finish drives. The Jacksonville Jaguars' own time of possession, 38 15 to 21 45. The leading, Meg, we talked about it all offseason. We love Michael Pittman Jr., but there's not enough in this receiving core behind him. We were ba- basically begging the Colts to sign somebody and to add depth to this receiver group. And it, it, what's, what happens? It shows up almost immediately. Week two, Ashton Doolin had himself a career day, five catches uh, on seven targets for 79 yards. But after him, not much. We mentioned Naheem Hines. He finishes with 37 yards on four catches. Um, y- you said it. 23 yards in the first drive, nothing sense. Was he injured? Did they just not keep him as involved as they did in the first drive? Doesn't make sense to me. Michael Patman dropped, or not, uh, Dez Patman dropped a key third down. Paris Campbell, zero catches, two targets. Is he injured and no one's saying anything? This was the guy who every single offseason when he's healthy, they rave about this kid. He's finally healthy right now needs to step up and be the number one option. I believe he played the most snaps of the wide receivers this week, and he doesn't even come down with a single catch, only demands two targets out there. Jonathan Taylor, your best player on offense. I get you're down 24 points. Throw him the ball. He had just one catch for nine yards. Like it, it, This offense turned out to be exactly what we were worried it was behind Michael Pittman Jr., where the level of talent – And the level of production behind your number one guy is just not enough.
0: Well, if you can't get, I'm not saying this needs to be a a Josh Allen throw the ball around the yard and live and die in a pass game at all, but you've got to throw it enough to where I mean the Jaguars they saw the same thing we saw. They saw a receiving core that that doesn't threaten you. It it really doesn't. So until you prove that you can at least be competent in the passing game. Jonathan Taylor's going to run against stacked boxes, and you know he got his—he got was one or two series late where he got most of the yards. They have got to be able to 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 come out, establish him to be a threat early. They sort of did that at Houston, then they couldn't finish drives. But to to think Matt Ryan, where he is in his career, can carry this team is ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Phillip Rivers couldn't do it. Carson Wentz couldn't do it. So this is this is again this is about as comprehensive of a loss. I thought I thought, thought there was only like one player that could raise his hand and say not me, and that was Chase McLaughlin. You know, yeah. the change of the change of kicker, and you know he kicked, didn't even he have a kick. Off, he kicked off once, so I, I just I just it, it's it's a mess, and I you know they've gotten I I have said this before they've gotten turned around in the past, but it's it's. And we'll see how Pittman is. We we probably won't get an update on him until Wednesday. We'll see how serious the, the the quad injury is. It was it was serious enough to keep him out of practice last week, the last two days, or at least the last day, and keep him out of the game. Shaq Leonard, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it, it it can't. It, it's not that simple. That boy, when we, when they get Shaq back, they're going to be okay. No, it's, this is so much deeper. So much deeper. And like, like I said, if, if the offensive line was built right, then you, you, you'd replace Matt Pryor. They did that with Julian Davenport last year. They started him until they couldn't. And uh, so, you know, is Dennis Kelly a possibility? He's not played on the offensive line the first two games. So uh, the, the one thing that you can't do is overreact. But the second thing you can't do is not to react. So they've got to make changes – on the offensive line, we'll see. I think it was kind of obvious because, again, when when Bernie Ryman got some snaps, he struggled too. So I, I don't know where you go with this. As I said, when you start a season, this is your roster. The moves you make now are you you, you get rid of uh, Blankenship and, and you bring in Chase McLaughlin. Okay. Well, but it, to, to find a receiver now, it's tough. And to watch – If I'm not mistaken, weren't there opportunities in the offseason to sign O.J. Howard and to sign Evan Ingram? And they've hurt to the first two games. So, I don't know. This is your team, like it or not, and we'll see if this coaching staff can get this thing turned around.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Quickly on the offensive line, I mean, anyone watching could see that they had a tough game. Uh, The offensive line was an issue out there. Matt Ryan, under constant duress, sacked five times, hit six other times, 42 of Jonathan Taylor's, 54 rushing yards, came on two carries when the team was already down 24 points in the fourth quarter, Uh, meaning his other seven runs gained just 12 yards, absolutely stuffed the run. Matt Ryan, he didn't get a lot of help, but he was atrocious in his own right on Sunday. 34 uh, passer rating is the third lowest in his career across 224 games. 96 of his 195 passing yards came in the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much put away. Uh, He had three interceptions. I get two of them came in desperation time. One of them was even tipped. But the one on the first drive of the game was a horrible interception. Um, Through two games now, Matt Ryan has completed 60% of his passes, 547 passing yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, sacked seven times. In a 63 passer rating. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Colts fans, especially Dave, is out here saying we traded away Carson Wentz for this. Like, wh- what was the point in even doing that in the offseason? The Colts are not getting better production out of their quarterback play. Wentz over there in Washington, 65% completions, 650 yards, seven touchdown passes, three interceptions, six sacks, 100 passer rating. I get Washington lost to Detroit last week, but – uh, and we're not going to do this every week, where we compare Wentz to Matt Ryan. They're in extremely different situations. But when you make the moves you make to basically blame the quarterback for your disaster of a finish to last season, get him out of there. The the owner and the front, basically the franchise. He tr- trashes Carson Wentz all throughout the offseason. You make this move for Ryan. You call him an astronaut, a Navy SEAL. He's the answer to all of our problems through two games. Carson Wentz is doing better without the Colts than Matt Ryan is doing with the Colts. Chap, do you think the Colts are feeling any kind of regret with Ryan? Is it too early? To th- uh, what are the feelings with Matt Ryan and the struggles the passing game has had so far this season?
0: No, I I you no. Know, they, they were going to move you know again, they moved on from Wentz without knowing who their quarterback was going to be. So that was no question that was the, the move they were going to make and the move they had to make. And if you give them a Mulligan, they wouldn't go back and not do it. They wouldn't. It went much it, it went much deeper than just his play, but this also wasn't what they expected from Ryan. You know they weren't expecting Peyton Manning or, or Andrew Luck type play, but they were expecting more from him. But that's because they were expecting more from the offensive line, the running game, everything else around him. But having said that, he he he's not blameless at all. You got to take care of the ball. I realized a couple of those interceptions came late, but a couple of you know the one the one wasn't The one early when you race that, maybe because you're driving, maybe something different happens. Or as bad as the team played, I'm not sure that one drive would have would have changed much. But no buyer's remorse. But you said you're not going to spend every week giving updates. People will be following week to week on, on how the, the tail of the tape. But th- this this is the guy they're, they're they're going with. And keep in mind, it's a two year contract. So so they so we'll guaranteed see, but, the second year, didn't they? Well, it, it was already guaranteed when when they got him. It was guaranteed. It was two years, fifty six million, whatever it was. So, but but at the same time. Most of us anticipate going after a quarterback in the draft next, next year because you can't keep relying on 30-something quarterbacks. You can't do it. But uh, it, it's amazing. I, I In my wildest dreams, I never expected 0-1-1 after two games. Again, like I said, it's, it's funny when people nationally refer to this. Well, you know, the Colts were opening against bottom feeders in the division. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe Houston and Jacksonville opened up against the bottom feeder. And there's, there's very little the Colts can do or say right now with everything coming at them because they've not played well. When you don't play well at this level, you kind of deserve whatever you can get. Some of it's over the top without question, but they, they really have not a lot to offer in defense.
1: And I would just say, you know, I think Matt Ryan does deserve a good bit of blame for his performance, on Sunday. Um, He didn't have a lot around around him, but there were times where there was a play to make. It it also just seemed like anytime a defender got near him, he, he would go down. Like he wasn't able to elude pressure. Um, They would grab him by the shoulder and he wouldn't be able to run out of their grasp. It looks like, it looks like a 37 year old quarterback out there. It it just does. So I'm not at a certain point. I'm not sure uh, what else Colts fans were expecting other than maybe, a little bit better performance from the offensive line, give them time and keep them clean back there. But uh, when you surround a quarterback with the cast that the Colts surrounded them with on Sunday, I think just about any quarterback would struggle out there. I mean, it, take draft a quarterback number one overall next year and put him in this offense, and he's going to have struggles with these receivers and this kind of protection that he's being offered. So I, I, it seems simple to me. You don't surround your quarterback with playmakers, and it's hard to make plays, but it's something we've seen year after year from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. You got something to say? No,
0: and and, and again, moving forward, there's not a lot you can do personnel-wise. There just isn't. I mean, if let's say Pitt comes back this week, and and I think Alec Pierce probably does. I think he was kind of close last week but couldn't pass through protocol. Uh, at least Pitt gives you a chance in the past game, and Pierce, we don't know. You know, people can say, well, they missed Alec Pierce. Well, he hadn't, he hasn't, He's he's done very little thus far in two games with, with the first game and the concussion. So th- this is where they are, and they are having to deal with, with decisions they made in the offseason because when you get to this point, I'll just beat it up until I'm blue in the face. When you get to this point, there are no easy fixes except for cutting your kicker and getting a new kicker.
1: Yep. Uh, the last last takeaway I have here is pass rush was non-existent. Zero sacks on Lawrence. They hit him just twice. Trevor Lawrence finished 25 of 30 for 235 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Mike, Gus Bradley's defense has been pretty disappointing through two games. I don't think – I think the offense is far more to blame – but Gus Bradley's defense has not been what we expected going into the year.
0: We ex- Well, what we expected was different from Eberflus. Well, of all the people that were, that, that were, were more than happy to see Matt Eberflus go to Chicago, his defense created takeaways. And they stopped the run. This team's stopping the run and said, oh, by the way, the 37-yard up-the-gut-of-your-defense that Robinson had. So, yes – Again, it's a two-game snapshot, but you can't be impressed. You can't be encouraged. Ngakwe's not gotten it done. DeForest Buckner's been quiet. Now he's got the hip injury. How much did that limit him? If if it limits him that much, then he shouldn't play. And they've not gotten their their eight-man defensive line rotation down yet. You know, Dial's not getting a lot of push or a lot of play time. So it's it's just. Like I say, in in every area, you see problems. Uh, the the punter's been pretty good. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Hawk's been pretty good. Uh, so, so it's that, that shouldn't be what you, that shouldn't be your 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 shining light is your your punter's playing pretty well. So I you know you hopefully they they pull out of this. It's just that again they by what by perceptions, the two easy games are out of the way. And now you got this stretch with Tennessee twice, Kansas City and Denver. Although I got, I want to see how good Denver is, but it's going to be out there. And, and this team's going to be the underdog for the next what month anyway? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe beyond that.
1: Which which seems to be how Frank Reich's teams prefers it. It, it. Whenever the Colts are expected to win, are expected to do something, they always seem to underperform under Frank Reich, and then. When they get written off or, oh, no one believes on it, that's when he's somehow out, able to rally the troops and they can go on these mid-season runs where they can win you know, eight of nine games during a stretch. Um, we'll just have to see if the Colts are going to be able to put that together this year with such a different crew as they've had in the years past. We'll talk about that on Thursday when Dave Griffiths rejoins us and we'll break down what the Colts need to do to beat the Chiefs. Basically, Mike, I I can break that show down for you right now. Whatever they did against the Jaguars, the opposite of that is what it's going to take to beat the Chiefs. Uh,
0: Whatever you did in Jacksonville, do something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the wildcat at Houston. Well, you should have done something else. So if only it was so easy to do something different. Uh, That's not the way teams operate. That's not the way Frank Reich operates. It's not the way Tony Dungy operated. You know, don't do different; do better. So I, you know, I, I'm really curious how this team responds. You heard words coming out of the locker room, but, you know, I, I, I just, I want to see the anger manifest itself in in better play. That's the only way to turn it around. That is the only way to answer your critics. It's not to go out there and get steamrolled by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two times in a row, they've been uncompetitive, non-competitive against Jacksonville. And that's just not going to fly.
1: It's really not. And yet something tells me the Colts are not going to get blown out by the Chiefs. This team is just seems to be so up and down. And we'll we'll talk about that more in a couple days.
0: I thought I saw the early spread was like six.
1: Really? I'd Ch- be surprised. I, I,
0: I hope I missed. I, I had to misread that. After the way this team has played in Kansas City, I thought 10. I thought it might be a 10-point
1: spread. Yeah, that's what I'd spread, think, too. But, so we'll see. Yeah, I'll go ahead and pull it up here. Uh, we will wrap things up by taking a look quickly around the AFC South. Jaguars currently sit atop of the division at 1-1. and Houston is 0-1-1 after a 16-9 to loss to Denver. Tennessee looking for their first win on Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I, I, Mike, I guess that's the one thing the Colts can kind of take away after two weeks is there's a good chance that after tonight, Tennessee's also winless.
0: So the, the, the saving grace is you might still be in tied for second place in the division. Saving it, grace, it's
1: it's still within reach.
0: <laughs> well, But it only it, it's way too early in the season to be saying, well, you know, if Tennessee loses to Buffalo, that's, that's what you do in December, <laughs> Yeah, not, not, not in September.
1: Mike, when you start like this, you got to take what you can get. Um, exactly. You are right, by the way. The FanDuel currently has the Colts uh, plus six and a half against the Chiefs. I guess it is Indianapolis, so maybe that's part of the reason um, that the line is not larger there. Because, yeah, I'm with you. I would have thought it would be about ten points, and maybe that will grow as we get closer uh, to the game here. That will wrap things up. For us on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening today. Again, we'll be back Thursday to preview the Colts' next chance at their first win of the year. Uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at MChapel51. You can go ahead and follow the Colts Blue Zone podcast on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, um, where we'll keep you up to date on everything has to do without the Colts throughout the week and until next time take it easy Colts fans.